podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We should start a uh, GoFundMe to buy Regan Gray some gloves from when he stood on the uh, the wing at Scarlet's or Ospreys or whichever. Well, Shimi goes and plays for when he signs for a reunion. Because it's going to get cold, isn't it? It'll be like Denny Solomona. You remember him? He used to he used to play for Castleford. Retired, didn't he? Retired very early. So, you know, very sad when that happens to players. But what could you I wonder do? If he, uh, wonder if he had any regrets when he retired. His bank balance probably didn't. Tommy Sony Lange is going to play for France in the World Cup. Good. He's we've eligible. Got, yeah, we've got Courtney Winfield Hill. They've got Sammy Sony Lange. So it's all children. It's all children were born in France. So he feels a passionate desire to uh, to represent his nation of now residents. Good on him. Good on the French. Good, good job he didn't move to Wakefield. Otherwise, he <laughs> wouldn't have been able to. Uh, it's 40-20, not live. The post-Challenge Cup final edition. Uh, I did not go to St. Uh, to St. Helens. I went to Wembley, as I was saying <laughs> all last week. That's where I went. Um, Phil was there. I had to watch on the telly, but... Um, amazingly universal praise pretty much for the venue, which what's going on? That's very unrugby league like Phil, but what, what was it like in the stadium for all those who weren't there like me? I think the, the big debate afterwards, which is a, a, a rational one to have is, uh, you know, should the challenge cup final now permanently be cited at Wembley? Um, because everybody I know had such a good time. Social media would, would indicate that that was a, a, a common held feeling. I think the only two things that um, probably would look at Wembley as a return uh, next year are, is there a contract signed with the stadium? Because clearly, uh, if there is not, I believe it might not be a long one, but there is a commitment to go back. Then clearly rugby league is not the richest of sports to be able to uh, to break a, a contract. So, uh, that's the first thing. It it will go back to Wembley, even if it's for a short period of time, um, to 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 fulfil our obligations on that front. I think the other thing is, um, what does Wembley have that Spurs doesn't? And the only thing is, is the cachet of it being the national stadium. Um, and again, if if you you know you are a sport that's always looking for uh, more publicity and 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 greater added value, then. Clearly, you would want one of your prestige events of the year to be staged at what is known as the National Stadium. So I get that 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 has to couch the debate. If you're talking about comparing the two stadia, which at the moment works better, then I'd have to say as as both a fan uh, and somebody who uh, laughably worked there as well, um, Tottenham wins hands down. Um, the, the, I think two things struck us as we arrived at the stadium. One is that... Um, when you get to Wembley, it, it feels a little bit like a mausoleum. Uh, you know, it's a big concrete and glass jungle and it's got that arch that you can see from from ages away. And um, if you don't arrive at the right end of the stadium, you need to be at, you've got a long walk round. And clearly the, there is a, more of an infrastructure now there in terms of coffee bars and uh, and places to go and get a sandwich than there, than there ever was. It used to be actually in a in an industrial wasteland. And there was nothing romantic about Wembley other than the memories that Wembley held. Um, That's changed a little bit over the last few years. Um, And Wembley is a more hospitable place for that. That said, you know, there is no real infrastructure around the stadium itself. If you want to park a car, uh, it's going to cost you 30 quid, whether you like it or not. You don't have a lot of options. Um, There are, though, hotels at Wembley. Um, clearly you you can get a hotel on Wembley Way uh, or not far away. That's all part of the fun of going down there. The walk down Wembley Way, that that sort of congested um, avenue from uh, the the Tube station is still a great moment in sport. And I think, you know, Huddersfield and Nottingham Forest fans will have felt that uh, when they went there the following day. So so that's effectively what you'd be giving up. But as, as you either get off the train or the bus or however you've chosen to get to Spurs, the feeling is more of intimacy, that it looks and is and clearly is a, a modern architectural construction. But from the outside, you think, really, they can get 65,000 people in here. Then you go in and you look round and you think, actually, we're really close to the action here. Um, wherever you sit, 
um, you, you are part of the atmosphere. Um, and even for the 1895 Cup final, where clearly the stadium itself uh, was, was not full of people, the acoustics are something really special. Um, I, I don't know how, how they've done it, and, and clearly it is the, the most state of state of the art. But even uh, with maybe a couple of thousand Featherstone fans at one end and a couple of thousand Lee fans at the other, the sound was really bouncing around the stadium. So I would imagine the atmosphere you felt watching it um, on, on television w- was you know, massively multiplied for, for those that were in there. Um, so, you know, th- they, they were the immediate advantages of, of being at a stadium that uh, hopefully we will go back to. I, I think, you know, in terms of a visual image of, of the day, um, the, the, the lady who sang the national anthem at the, the top of the stadium next to the cockerel, that, that's something that those who were there won't forget for a very long time. Uh, brilliantly done um, and certainly added to the sense of occasion. In, in terms of, you know, people who I spoke to who had either been in the corporate or, gen, you know, fans who genuinely look for, you know, a pint and a, and a piece of cheese before the game, they loved it. Um, it was everything that it was cracked up to be. Certainly from a, a media point of view, there's a there's a, a lovely corridor that you walk through to the media area that's full of great memorabilia of of you know Spurs pictures from from years gone by, which make you feel a bit like when you go to Newcastle and uh, and, and we'll see it at Magic Weekend the the history of the place, even if it's not exactly the the bit that it was when it was originally built. Um, you feel that the, that there is something uh, there for. For, for those who, who love the heritage, there's a plaque that, that marks the original centre spot of the stadium. And then you realise that how they built that around what was the original stadium again is, is absolutely excellent. So very hard to pick fault with something that I think everybody who was there, uh, irrespective of whether their team won or not or played to the, the best of their ability, would say we had a great time. Um, when you walk out of the railway station, which literally is, is an overground station, that is 500 yards for, uh, and, and you're at the stadium facing it. I think, again, that encha- is an enchantment to the atmosphere. And uh, whilst it does get a bit crowded post-match, because a lot of people are trying to use the same um, mode of getting away from the ground within 20 minutes, I, th- I think, you know, everybody was where they, where they needed to be. So, uh, yeah, really enjoyable. Some nice pubs around the ground as well for those that like that kind of thing. Um, so yes, if you didn't or couldn't go for whatever reason, um, special. Sounds like getting out of Old Trafford, apart from it's London, so there's more buses and trains and things because they have mass transit and and we don't in the north. But, exactly. Uh, maybe one well, day. Although Old Trafford is in the north, I'm told. It is. Um, after I tell you, getting home after the World Cup final in 2013 was a complete and utter shambles, thanks to. Uh, Northern Rail, I think, as they were then. I think they're different now. They're still called Northern, but they're, they're, they're better now because they sponsor Rugby League or something. Northern Non-Rail, That's as it turned ones. out. Um, did you find the cheese? I, I saw people found the brewery. I didn't. I didn't. The brewery apparently was excellent and served a humongous amount of pints. So, again, I'd be going back to uh, Spurs saying, uh, you probably made a few quid out of us, so uh, next time we come, can we have a profit share? Um, I didn't see the cheese, but I, I'm told the cheese does exist. When if we talk about Wembley and, and Spurs for that matter, and obviously with the World Cup going to the Emirates, um, I think there is a, a thing which, when we look back at Challenge Cup crowds in the past and club trips and this and that and the other, the other thing that has changed in those days, and it has since I went with school in the in the early nineties, it's easier to go and spend a day out in London these days than it was you know, 50, 60 years ago. So the magic of just going to London for a day isn't quite the same, but it looked good on the telly. Obviously it wasn't full. We knew it wasn't going to be full, but it still looked good and sounded good. Um, and that day can only be a positive. But people coming back saying, you need to go here when we return, which whenever, that's not a... I think the RFL can really change at the minute. Obviously, as you said, there's a contract with Wembley, but it's not that Wembley's bad. Just this is newer and shinier and better. more intimate. I think the um, the other thing that um, obviously it's worth bearing in mind is there was a lot of talk about the attendance as there was always going to be, and I think most people who 
um, discussed it beforehand, was surprised that we got over the 50,000 mark. I think that, you know, that that is more of a kudos than a, a stick to beat us with. But while we were sitting there um, trying to work out, you know, roughly how many people were in and, and it sounded good anyway, and we get so hung up about attendances. You look at this year coming off the back of two COVID years, coming off the back of um, nobody's really sure what the cost of living issue is going to be, particularly as regards, uh, again, another whack on heating in the winter. You look at, you follow a Super League team, you've got at least two trips to France that you could go on. Uh, you've got Magic Weekend. You've got this International Weekend coming up as well, which is, you know, might be very good value for money, but it's additional cost. Uh, and 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 it would be a shame if we we all went to Warrington to support International Rugby League again. There's only two or three thousand people there. Um, you know, you've you've got the playoffs, which are not included in uh, your season ticket, so they are disproportionately expensive. Uh, you've got the, the semi-final of the cup if you decide to go to that as well as the final on, a, on neutral ground. Uh, you've got the grand final itself at, at Old Trafford and then you've got a World Cup this year, which, again, I, I don't know about you, I've started looking at the games that I desperately want to go at. And uh, if you're doing that as a general fan rather than maybe the fortunate position we're in and covering, the, you've still got to work out how much diesel it's going to cost you. It's, it's, it's not going to be cheap to be, you know, in Newcastle one day and, and St. Helens in another and whole the day after maybe and then you want to factor in some of the wheelchair games and the women's games which are all going to be fabulous occasions um there's a lot of expense this year for fans so i just think we've got to be um you know cognizant of the fact that we shouldn't beat ourselves up for however many people turned up at spurs because it's such a a, a year where expense is going to be huge I saw a lot of neutral jerseys, um, probably more than I think we have done in the last few years at, at, at Wembley. And maybe that is because, again, a lot of fans wanted to experience this perhaps you know, once in a, in, in a lifetime opportunity. But there's a lot of uh, there's, there's a lot of money being asked to be paid. I, I read something today and um, please correct me if I didn't read it right. But the first test in cricket is. Uh, this week, I believe it starts on Thursday. It's, it's England, New Zealand, which when you talk about cricket, not perhaps, you know, the test series that excites as much as some others when it comes to India, Pakistan, clearly the Ashes, the West Indies, that the, there are more people to tap into, uh, perhaps from, a, from an opposing point of view than with respect New Zealand. Um, they're talking about having 20,000 spare seats for the opening day of the Lord's Test match. Um, we are not alone in this at the moment. No, no, I, I, I was going to make that point. I said it last week about Wales not selling out their Six Nations game against France because the tickets were 100 quid. Again, it's 100 quid to go watch a day's test cricket, which, you know, you get a day's worth of entertainment, obviously, weather permitting. I mean, I remember I've only ever been to one day of test cricket. That was in the 90s as a Yorkshire member. I got tickets really cheap. And I only saw half a day because England were crap back then. And I think the tickets were like five, ten quid, if that. 100 quid is a lot of money. Plus, as you know, if you go to the cricket, you've got to spend you know at least 100 quid on beer uh, to keep you uh, entertained and then to keep you asleep during the afternoon session. So, you know, as much as we can uh, rank the RFL for many and various things, you know, cricket's worse. And you wait for the high watermark of complete shambles of an organisation and corrupt and all that kind of thing. So, uh, you know. I think the other thing about the Challenge Cup final is there is an issue around the Challenge Cup, which is nothing to do with the attendances. It's to do with the fact that what is its appeal these days compared to what its appeal used to be. And, um, you know, that's another of the things that has changed. So not, not only has society moved on, but if you were to pick, uh, you know, maybe four teams um, who, who were going to be at an event that you would want a neutral to support, I don't know if we had them on on. Saturday, with the greatest respect to Featherstone and Lee, they're fighting their own private battle in the championship. That that isn't going to make a Batley supporter immediately get on a train and want to go to the 1895. You know, Wigan are by far now the most successful team in Challenge Cup history. They, they won their 20th Challenge Cup final. It's a phenomenal achievement. 
But other clubs don't necessarily buy into Wigan being the greatest team. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I thought the Huddersfield fans were, were fantastic. And, and again, anybody who just concentrated on the Huddersfield fans behind the posts where they were obvious missed the fact that there were a lot of them actually sat in the stands, uh, certainly behind the media area. People of a certain age who were reveling in the fact that Huddersfield were back on the big stage. But, you know, if Huddersfield can't attract their own fans in great number, they're not going to attract neutral fans in great number, hopefully being there and, and getting so close, they will. So again, don't beat ourselves up with the fact that maybe the Challenge Cup needs some TLC, which I don't know if we can give it in the current environment, which is means that it's not going to get a sellout crowd by virtue of it just being the Challenge Cup these days. And I think that's just the thing with cup competitions in sport in general. The FA Cup isn't what it was. I mean, it used to be the final oh. game of the season. Obviously, the Challenge Cup wasn't because the Premiership came afterwards, you know, and so on and so forth. But the FA Cup final was the final game of the season. This year, it's like kind of squished in between another round of the Premier League and and the European Cup final, which was obviously a game that came last, but not always had an English club in. Um, you know, Rub Union's Cup competition that we mentioned before used to be a big thing and now is an insignificant competition held they held it in Northampton or something already. They held it somewhere where, you know, much smaller venue than than we had our... And obviously that's been overtaken by their European competition as well. So I'm not saying that they're on an equal level. But cups aren't the same because everything's about the league. And, and even if you changed our structure again to first past the post, it, it wouldn't change anything. The grand final yeah. is the be-all and end-all now. The Premier League is the be-all and end-all in football they are the things that matter. And the Challenge Cup is, it's still important. It still has reverence, but it's not what it was. But no cup competition is. No, and I, and I think, again, the, there is an element of romance that we will never recapture. That um, apart from it's the big showcase game where everybody should go down and, you know, we, we go to London a lot now, so it isn't the big showcase game. But I can't see, uh, well, well, obviously, it's not going to be... Um, anything other than two Super League teams, because that's why we instituted the 1895 Cup. So it, it is going to be, effectively, uh, it's going to look a lot like a Super League fixture. Um, and, and and historically, the Cup hasn't. This was always the, particularly, you know, following a team in blue and amber, never any good in the league. Couldn't, never going to be consistent. Team of individuals when it came to week in, week out. But put a Cup run on, every chance to you know get, get into Wembley or wherever it might have been and and, and I think that um you know that those days of having a cup run are not quite the same anymore I think added to the fact that and a again, cup run of no, three games yeah well again no disrespect to Wigan they've won the cup they deserve to win the cup that um, they managed to do exactly what they did in the semi-final and and pull out the big play when it really mattered at the end but as you say, three games to win a cup is not the same as starting in January and maybe playing an amateur team in a, a freezing cold ground uh, and following the competition through, you know, up until the what was it third round, then the quarterfinals, then a semi on a, a neutral ground and, and, and then a final. It, it, it doesn't have the same um, place in, in the fixtures as it used to have. Much better this year, having it in May. I uh, thought it really worked. Uh, much better having only a couple of weeks between each round to build the interest. Great that yet again we have a team that hasn't been in a grand final appearing in a in, in a Challenge uh, Cup final for, for you know opportunity there for Huddersfield, which you know we you can debate until the cows come home whose fault it was that they didn't take it, but it was there for them and they couldn't manage it, and unfortunately um, they know, they will now under Ian Watson looked to build on that um, was that their their moment in the sun a bit like you know Castleford the other year a bit like Salford the other year time will tell and, and Ian Watson clearly is building something there but um, the Challenge Cup is not what it was because the Challenge Cup itself is not what it was well, the trophy is still the best trophy in sport. I tell you, the thing that's been doing the most work this season I think are the Rugby, Rugby League Challenge, uh, World Cups because they're everywhere I think I've only been to two games this season in Super League, and there were both of them. They've been at Bramalink, as my mate saw them, said, the Rugby League World Cup was here. They were there on, on Saturday. Obviously, the, the England captains were on the telly as well. It's all very exciting. And of course, the, the, the Wheelchair Challenge Cup has a team that's not in Super League in it because the Catalans aren't in Super League, but they're in the final against Leeds in a couple of weeks. So uh, I thought that'd be about three weeks' time, wasn't it? I'm just looking up at my 
calendar. Uh, unfortunately, the RFL sent me a push notification through today saying, um, after the excitement of Spurs, don't forget two for one tickets to go to the internationals. And I thought, yeah, I mean, yeah, no. Um, and I was asked to work that same day and I thought, shall, shall I work and earn money or shall I go to Warrington? Um, as much as I'd like to go to Warrington, I also like money. So I'm, I'm not going to go to the internationals. Unfortunately, I'm a professional. <laughs> I've sold out. I'm a mercenary. Um, <laughs> going to take the money when it's on the table. So I won't be going to Warrington, but I will be watching it afterwards on TV. I'll be, I'll be adding my uh, pot to the viewing figures, which apparently were good for Saturday, 1.5 million the peak, which um, I, I was trying to find the number for the Women's FA Cup final this year, because I think that's a good place to start with now because there is a lot of promotion of the women's fa cup probably more promotion of that than there is of the men's challenge cup and i can't find the figures for this year now we would have beaten it last year because they got 1.3 million as a peak but the fact that i can't find the figures for this year suggests that they weren't as good as last year but 1.5 so it must be good Greatest share since 2008 and um, the highest peak since 2016, which, again, I know there were people there from IMG. um, And I would have thought, you know, if we broaden the discussion about why the Challenge Cup is still important, even though it might be different um, and why it was important, it looked good this year, um, possibly more than any year in in previous times because of what it could actually mean. If if I was an executive of IMG um, and I saw that atmosphere, that stadium, and even was pleased to think that it's not a capacity because that's where they're going to make their money. They're, you know, mm-hmm. if, if they can uh, look at the properties that are on offer and they've got some kind of a deal whereby they get a share if they can increase the number of people in the stadium and the number of markets that watch it, you'd look at that and go, you know, this is undervalued. We can do something with this. It's got great viewing figures, great game that went to the very last play Um First game, you know, a, a narrative in that about are we looking at one of the teams that is going to be coming into what whatever Super League may look like while that is under our control as well. And clearly that was colourful and some skill and, and some some fans are, are clearly uh, investing in these teams. If I if I was IMG and I looked at those figures and I looked at the, the atmosphere in the ground, I'd be saying we've invested in the right sport. So, yeah, it, you know, again, from that point of view, anybody getting hung up about uh, you know, the attendance and nothing else. With the greatest respect, you missed the point. And I, I mean, it's comparing apples and oranges, but there were more at Spurs than they were at Wembley at the same time watching Mansfield and Port Vale, which are they two well, similar sized places to Wigan and Huddersfield? Possibly, I don't know. You know. Well, they were all in service stations afterwards. <laughs> it seemed to me that the um, Mansfield fans were crying a lot. I, I don't know why. Poor old Mansfield. But um, poor old Huddersfield, what a, what a terrible weekend for Huddersfield as uh, Huddersfield Town lost to Notts Forest. Call them Notts Forest to annoy Forest fans. It's very, very funny. Um, so the games, um, Lee beat we- uh, Featherston in the 1895 Cup final, uh, thus ending Featherston's hopes of retaining the Cup. Um, and Blake Ferguson scored, and there was lots of points. It wasn't quite the final of last year, but we didn't think it would be. Um, and of course, we haven't learned anything in terms of who's going to be promoted. But what we do know is they both should be promoted and we should have a 14-team Super League. I've got a feeling that the people uh, who are proponents of a 14-team Super League, Phil, want a 14-team Super League with Lee and Featherston in, and then maybe maybe we'll just close the trap door and, and, and that'll be it. I don't know. I, maybe that's just me being cynical, but I don't know. I think... Um... I, uh, driving back, look, looking at the game. I think, mean, firstly, if you if you solely concentrate on that eighty minutes, fantastic performance from Lee. You know, well done, Adrian Lamb. And and the story of Edwin Ipape is is worthy of column inches alone. Um, from a very um, remote Highland place in PNG, the country that Adrian Lamb himself is from. Um, difficult to get him over and playing rugby league for Lee, but, but Adrian had seen something in him that he, he wanted to work with him and came off the bench and changed the whole dynamic of the game. And it could well have been that Lee would have won it anyway, because it looked like it was their day. And um, Featherston just made, well, A, made too many mistakes, but B, didn't have enough creative outlets uh, to challenge Lee, who um, had some really big players you know, across the team. But I Papi was the jewel. 
Um, and and it was a lovely story to talk to Adrian Lamb about him afterwards and, and what it what it would mean when the pictures and story eventually got back to PNG as to you know people in his village would just be well, um, unbelievably um, joyous. It's a, it's a great story. But I think Featherstone will have learned more than Lee from that. Um, I think both clubs realise that it can't possibly be uh, a, a form line through to what, what is likely to be the, the million pound game between them. But there's something about Brian McDermott and he, and he said it afterwards and he said it with the kind of conviction that you know from his past history that he will have learned more about his team for the forthcoming games against Lee by a defeat than he would have done from a victory. Um, and it, again, it takes you back to uh, the time when Leeds lost by over 60 at, at Castleford in 2017. And, and, and McDermott, even after that, said he'd seen enough to know that his team could win a grand final. And everybody burst their sides guffawing at, at what he'd said. But what happened the, the next time the two met in the game that really mattered? And he lost a couple of league games to them after that 60 Six ten thrashing, I think it was at Weldon Road at the time. But what he knew was what he needed to mould his players to be so that when it really mattered, he had a game plan that could overturn that. And yes, there were other extraneous reasons. And please don't write in and tell me it was all to do with Zach Hardacre. It wasn't. It was partly to do with um, you know Brian McDermott being able to work out exactly what he needed to do when it mattered and have a different game plan at a different venue on a different night. Um, and I just got the impression that whilst Featherstone would love to have retained that trophy, um, they didn't have enough in their armoury to do it. So, in, he, you know, he now knows, notebook out, this is how we're going to approach the second half of the season. I think that makes them really, really dangerous. I don't think 70-0 victories leading up to a game like that did did either team any favour. And on the day, um, Lee, Lee was superb and, and had all the key players playing um, to a better level of rugby than... Than, than Featherston. Featherston had Mark Carella um, as their major threat and uh, Craig Hall when they could get the ball to him. It was to Lee's credit that they could only get the ball to him twice in the game. On both occasions, he scored. Um, but they didn't create enough, whereas um, Lee really bought into the occasion. I, I think um, Derek Bowman had the joy of receiving the trophy from his wife. Lovely. Um, I would say of the two teams as they came off, both with immensely studious coaches as to what they just witnessed. For me, it just made Featherstone a bit more dangerous. And don't Featherstone play Bradford? Is it is it this week, next week? It's on uh, time, well, it, so the, stu- the stupid thing, and again, I'm not blaming anybody because we decided how many fixtures we wanted and the clubs bought into that as much as the governing body. And, and everybody said, oh, we've got to have a free weekend when the internationals come round, including the championship games, because if Ireland and Wales and Scotland are all playing, they'll be taking players from the championship so we've got a, a double round this this weekend in a part-time competition. Everybody's playing Thursday um, because it's part of the Queen's Jubilee, but nobody actually knows what day that is. So we'll have four. And they're all playing again on Sunday or Monday. So, yeah, Featherston go to Newcastle on Thursday. And then I think they're, they're home to Bradford on Premier on Monday. But again, all of these teams with threadbare resources and, and taking a lot of players who, um, who, who are either on dual reg or loan from from Super League clubs that have got to play two games in four days. And uh, uh, heaven help, we should mention the words player and welfare in the same sentence. It's, it is nonsense that that division uh, is playing twice. They, they should have played one less round, but, you know, we're coming back from COVID, so we're not allowed. Queen will be uh, glued to BBC Sounds on Thursday to listen to all the games uh, to, to find out what's going on, if, they, if they're on. I don't know. I was crossing the street when I met the love of my life. I chased after her. Nothing would stand in my way. Not the dog walker, nor the hot dog vendor. Finally reaching her, I asked, what do you call that amazing smell? Um, it's Gain Flings. Gain Flings. My love had a name. But more importantly, it had a scent. Fall in love with Gain Flings. Seriously good scent. Try Gain Flings today with special savings at Family Dollar. Uh, but we'll, we'll find out. So that, that's Thursday. Uh, I knew there's a reason why we had to do the podcast, even though Halifax and, and Jewsby are probably playing as we speak, or in a bit anyway. Um, so yeah, double round of the champion. I've not bought the paper, so I don't know. Because I, I, I thought, just, I, this cup final, it happened. 
was on There's quotes from people who were in it. Yeah. I mean, I, I would have spoken to him. I would have counted the crowd, but I, I wasn't there. So I think it's, I've, I've not watched, even watched Celebrity Pointless yet either, but I have watched Question Sport and taking, taking the recommendations of uh, people more intelligent than I, I fast forward you through most of it because bloody hell, it's terrible. <laughs> it's a tough uh, watch. They it doesn't even say a question. It's not even a question of sport anymore. It's just question of sport. It doesn't, doesn't make sense. It's not even sport anymore. Anyway. No, no. Um, be, be, before we get cut off and have to start again, I don't know why Zoom started doing this now. Um, congratulations, Lee. Commiserations, Featherstone. We look forward to seeing those games in the future. And it's, it's almost like, as you said, that those 70-0 Victories don't do them any good. They are the Saints and Leeds and York of the Women's Super League in their own, with no disrespect to the other teams in the championship, but they are fighting their own personal arms race, as we know. And how good was Blake Ferguson? Because obviously this is now his what, second game and he's scored seven billion tries. He's, he's won a cup already. He's a great finisher, but we knew that. Uh, Lee found a way of getting the ball to him better than um, um, you know Featherstone did to any of their strike players. So the, the, I think again the interesting thing about Featherstone's selection was Jonathan Ford on the bench didn't seem to work. Um, I think you know he's either got to start and control the game, um, or, or you go with you know a, a different choice. But but he seemed an unnecessary luxury in many respects to, to try and get to the pace of the game. Um, whereas I, you know I think Ben Reynolds was. Uh, was was very influential for Lee. Uh, I think both sets of fans deserve an enormous amount of credit for, uh, for 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 the way they approached the game. They were just there to have fun and enjoy themselves. And I, I don't think too much was read into the fact that there was a trophy up for grabs. It was uh, the next stage in the instalment of, you know, Featherstone won the first one, Lee have now won the second one. They come together at the bash for the third one. Brilliant. You know, let's just now promote promote the hell out of the bash. It, it'd be good. I think I've put it on. I think I've put it on my uh, wall planner, and I haven't. I, I think I'm going to go to the Sunday of the match, which is when they don't play. But uh, but that's that's another expense for fans. Yeah. Which again, we talked about the whole litany of um, of events that people are paying out for these days. You know, bash weekend. Why why wouldn't you want to go? Whether you you know you were just a neutral or a Super League fan, and and it might be another twenty quid, and it might be Leeds rather than Blackpool, but it's still an expense. Yeah, Blackpool's more expensive because you end up spending it all in Coral Island. Uh, before we get on to the Challenge Cup final, because last week we spoke about London Scholars, and they only went and beat Oldham. Uh, they didn't just are, beat them, they thrashed I them. I think we Sorry, jinxed Oldham. Sorry, Oldham. I think we jinxed Oldham. Um, no, one was gonna, no one's going to want to come on and speak to us anymore. Uh, that is for sure. Um, great result for the Scholars. Um, obviously, I mean, I mean, London Broncos got rid of their coach. London Scholars have won. All eyes on the capital again. So uh, a great, great win for the scholars and kickstarts their route up from the bottom of the League One table. I don't know who they've got this week because I've not got the fixtures in front of me. But uh, they don't have to play two games, do they, in League One? Because there's less teams in that division. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing if they do play this week, and I can't. Find... Oh, they're uh, no wait, Cornwall. There you go. One o'clock on yes. on Saturday the big, afternoon. The big one. The well, um. Steve Mascord Derby. <laughs> That's of course not at the same time as Castleford and, and Wigan. He's, he's on baby. He's on Channel, Channel 4. Four. Yeah. Channel Four. Which again, fallen well for Channel Four that mm. the Cup winners' uh, first appearance is is on Channel Four, which is great. Big hello to IMG if you're watching as well. Uh, they're monitoring the media, Phil. Which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. We'll find Thank out. you to anyone who recommend they should monitor us because there were there were a few which was really kind of. So the the Challenge Cup final, which I'm sure they were glued to, saw Huddersfield up against Wigan. Wigan in their 143rd year celebrating that with a 20th Challenge Cup victory. Um, it's just like the olden days. Um, Huddersfield, um, like the olden days, didn't win, and um, they could have done, and perhaps without taking anything away from Wigan, perhaps Huddersfield should have won. Well, I think the, there was a great magnanimity afterwards um, in, in Wigan. And I, I think, you know, we should pay immense credit to the work that Matty Peach done. I, I believe that was his 17th game in charge and he's delivered them a trophy. But the, there is a, I think that it's not fair to say there's a different attitude about Wigan. It, it's just that he has rebuilt the club on the values that they stood for 
Um, and I think that both he and Ian Lennigan um, and, and add into that Chris Radlinski all said um, after the game, we know how fortunate we've been to win that. And whilst it was a magnificent play at the end uh, from a great young player um, who, who stamped his authority on the semi-final and did exactly the same again on the, on the final. And that's great to see. Uh, you know, and, and clearly we need to talk about the role of Tommy Luluai in that in allowing uh, Harry Smith to, to be the player that, that we'd hoped he could be. Um, I think Wigan realised that, Yes, you know, get the beer open, sit in the sit in the centre circle long as the people have gone. Enjoy the coach ride home. Enjoy the um, the the, uh, the um, uh, homecoming at Robin Park in front of all of their their great fans. Um, but they were fortunate, and they were the first to admit it. We're we're not saying that because uh, we've got some deep, you know love for Huddersfield or it's a better story if they win for the first time since 1953. Um, I think there are a couple of things that Huddersfield will look back on and say, we perhaps could have done that a tiny little bit better. Um, and that may have been the difference between winning and losing. Whereas Wigan hung in there, particularly in the first 20 minutes. I think what gets forgotten with Huddersfield didn't score enough points when they were on top is the fact that Wigan's defence was absolutely magnificent when they were under the cosh. Um, and ultimately, that was what came back and kept them in the game. And, uh, you know, was it three minutes from time? A magnificent move, which Luluai doesn't get any credit for, but he throws him an amazing long-range pass to Harry Smith to give him the time and the space for Smith to weigh up what was happening. Um, and Smith puts in the perfect kick, uh, which, again, under pressure and at speed and with everything that was... Um, happening around him with at the time of the game that, that you know this was probably going to be the, the final opportunity they had to do something and and saw Marshall say yeah I need it and I need it early and and Marshall then gets the perfect bounce but is exactly where he needs to be to to exploit that that's brilliant and we should focus on that and yeah we can all talk about whether you know Morgan Smith is should have still been on the pitch we should all talk about to Ilalahia's goal kicking, and that did ultimately was, was a difference between the two teams. You know, we should talk about Huddersfield's six tackle plays in the second half when perhaps they went conservative and didn't look to win the game, but looked to hold on to what they already had. And that's what they'll learn from in those sort of situations. You look at, again, you know, Chris Hill's dominance in the opening 20 minutes, but did he go into the game with a, an injury cloud? There are some saying that he did um, and that it, you know, came back a little bit perhaps to to haunt them did they go for a conservative bench selection hindsight is a really wonderful thing but the ones that they picked who was going to change the game if they needed a harry smith moment themselves and you know should should will smith uh, will price have been will smith that would have been interesting he could play <laughs> will price in the film um will price have maybe been on the bench to give them something a little bit different. All of that is up for debate, but actually it doesn't matter. Um, the, the, you know, Wigan found something that uh, Wigan teams in the past have found and they found in the semi-final against St. Helens um, and Huddersfield who were, you know, I, again, I, I don't know what more Ian Watson has to do as clearly a, one of the great coaches of the modern generation, um, but he's now been in three finals with three underdogs and those underdogs haven't had what it takes to just get over the overdog and um, the, you know I, I, I think again as we said with Featherstone will learn a lot from defeat you would hope that um, that Ian Watson will, who, who, who will have got his little notebook out on the way home on the bus went next time a couple of things I might do differently I'm trying to find the England performance unit squad thing is Harry Smith in it do you know Phil off the top of your head uh, I think he is in the England Knights nice. but I don't know whether he's in the because because our All England team, the, I, don't, I don't think his form last year warranted it. No, I'm just thinking because the halfbacks for England at the minute are not necessarily in form. The ones at Warrington, I just you know. although it's interesting to see they've described uh, Chris McQueen as an overseas player uh, on the RFL website. Uh, of course, the England international Chris McQueen. But uh, well, there you go. Well, again, we can talk about why why he was the man of the match, and you already know the answer to that because we were asked to vote five minutes from time when Huddersfield were ahead. Um, interestingly, I think we all felt that when a game is as close as that, if you still have to 
physically write down your selection, give it to somebody so that they can count it, so the BBC can announce it before the game ends. We should be allowed to vote for a player from each team. And then if the in that closing two or three minutes, yet again, what happens is the team that loses are ahead, but ultimately get defeated. We should be allowed to say, if X wins, they, they're my choice. If Y win it after you've asked me to vote, I would vote for them. And then I think Harry Smith would have got the vote. Mm. And I'm not sure whether you're then saying, uh, you know, the loser can the loser's team can never win. I just think the winner's team should have a, an option on on winning it. And if enough people had voted, say, for Harry Smith as their Wigan choice, he would have got it. If, if Chris McQueen has still got more votes, he would have still won it. But I do think that um, sometimes, you know, where people are saying, yeah, McQueen had a decent game, but why didn't Harry Smith win it? Well, because when we voted, McQueen's team were winning. And because we genuinely do vote on paper and pen. Yeah, we do. <laughs> With someone from the RFL counting it. So that, that is how it works in, in 2022. So... Just one of those things, but but Huddersfield were fantastic, and they they did really well to get themselves. But you know, you thought that uh, yeah, once they they'd got a lead, but you didn't think it was going to be enough, and they got pegged back. They wouldn't have anything else, but they did. And McGilvery had his moment, which was fantastic. And um, but then the try that Wigan scored just after half time that that one time that French and Field combined. That was rugby league at its very, very best. That was absolutely glorious. And uh, perhaps that was, again, a slight difference between the teams that, that, you know, that Wigan's great players in the minute was slightly better than Huddersfield's great players in the minute. Field looked like he was about, he was uh, not field, French looked like he was running the 100 metres, he was going that fast. Uh, You like to see wingers do that. You like to see fast tries and, and, mm. and it was exciting that's what you like to see and and there, were, there was just half a second when in his senior who had a brilliant game and could you know hopefully goes on to be uh, an england international himself just made that decision to offer too much of the outside to french by just deciding to come in and, you know again a lovely pass getting french away on the outside and once he was gone now, Field, who, again, Field didn't get any opportunities in the game because Huddersfield worked so hard to close him down. Kick chase was excellent. But, you you know, there's going to be a half break. He's going to be on the end of it. He was. Proved to be the difference. Uh, it did indeed. Um, you wanted to talk about Tommy Lulloy. What, what, a, what, a, what a player at his age to still, still well, do what he does. I, I mean, it's, again, it's a fantastic story. And... Um, he was told that the injury that he had was going to be a 12 week healing window, which at the age of 37 could even have been longer. Uh, he decided along with the medical people, they do it in six, um, which again, astonishing, you know, I, I, what sacrifices he's made to, to, to be on the field. Um, but Wigan needed him, um, you know, clearly with Sam Powell getting a, a ban, they needed a pivot player. Uh, but again, he was told that he, he wouldn't be playing too much game time, that they would use him sparingly. Uh, and of course, the one injury that they hadn't anticipated was Cade Cust. Uh, so Luluai comes off, sits down, thinks, I've, I've done my bit. I've, I, we, we, we're in danger of being well and truly overtaken in this game. Hopefully I've done my little bit to bring us back to something near parity. And then he gets the call going, oh, by the way, Cuss coming off. Not only are you going on, but you're going on at halfback. You know, that position you haven't played for about the last six years. And well, what do you want me to do? Get us some points because we haven't got enough. Uh, what we want you to do is take all the pressure off Harry Smith. Um, and, and again, I just think that um, he was magnificent. If, if ever there was an epitome of team first, and that's, you know, what the Matty Pete Wigan stand for. Tommy Luluai epitomised all of that. Um, didn't make a mistake that I could see. Um, everything that, that um, he brought to the, to, the, to the field enabled Wigan to win that game. As I say, the, the pass to Smith for what ultimately proved to be the match-turning moment was, was just genius. Um, and so modest afterwards. 
how, how people want us to know is he, is he playing on next year? And he said, you know, I've, I've effectively retired about three times. Um, but, you know, was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And w- was never going to get a vote for, uh, or a significant amount of votes to be man of the match, but was arguably the most influential player on the field in the two spells that he had. When he, ca- when, when he came off, he, he just lay on his back. I mean, he, you know, he literally was exhausted, but, but gave a brilliant interview afterwards in the mix zone and played down his contribution when, when really, you know, every team needs a Tommy Lula. You got Ricky Latelli right, though. First try score. So I did fourteen to one. If only I was a betting man. Hope somebody um, profited. Um, and both who listens to our uh, our show and, and and the same was on Mr. Kellner's talk sports slot at four fifteen in the morning. So any airport workers who uh, remember the name Latelli and went to the local bookie, I hope you hope you earned a few quid and and had a drink on on us. I've had some weird sleep patterns recently. I don't know why, but Saturday night, I, Friday, I didn't listen, but Saturday I was listening, but obviously you weren't on there because it had been, been and gone. But I, and I didn't, I should have phoned up for uh, how old Terry Grant, because that's a great game, but I might have to put on an assumed name or something. And he was there, Mr. Kellner, at the uh, final, along with uh, Paul Hawksby of Talk Sport fame, which again is, is just great PR. I, I didn't hear the beginning of the Hawksby and Jacobs programme on, uh, Monday, but I suspect that Paul Hawksby mentioned he'd had a very good sporting weekend and where he'd been. And I think they get something like, is it a million and a half listeners to that slot? Some ridiculous. And Samkins was on there the other day as well, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's all good. That, again, if you're IMG, you, you're totting up these little things going, I think we can probably do something. They are, they are media partners of the, the sport. So it's, it's, good to, it's good to keep them on side. Um, so all, uh, all in all, then, Saturday was good. Lots of positive positivity coming out of it. Nothing's perfect, but we can build on whatever happened. Fingers crossed we go back to Spurs. And obviously now we look to the future and say, uh, without discounting Catalan Dragons, are we going to be the ones that stop the St. Helens run of terror in terms of winning the Super League title? Well, they're going to be without Smithies for four games. Cust have not seen uh, what the medical outcome is on him yet, uh, but I think he's going to be out for for a little while. It, it looked as though, even when they were getting the cup, that he had his elbow uh, inside his shirt, which is never a great sign. So, yeah, every, every club, we're, we're entering a period of the season where resources are going to be taken to the absolute limit. So I'm not sure we can read too much in other than the fact that Saints will still be there, the forerunners. Dragons are doing some really good business for next year already. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, there's some players that they're going to be saying goodbye to that they're going to want to go out in the right way. Warrington have signed a couple of players. Be interesting to see how they approach the second half of the season. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, we had a, we had a great showcase event uh, in the middle of the season. Let's see if we can pick, pick up that baton. And run with it. John, the Wakefield fans aren't going to be happy now because another player is uh, reported to be leaving, um, which is Jacob Miller, which everyone knew about because it was weeks ago, but John Davidson confirming that story earlier, uh, as far as he understands, off to, off to Castleford. Um, see what happens. Wakefield need to sign some players just to, just to keep the fans happy. But they're going to look down the stadium soon. You'll be able to buy bits of it. So I don't know if I'll be able to you know, buy which, a bit of... Which bit would you want to buy? The only bit I'd want to buy is the grass, and I don't think that's up for sale, is it? Um, the ISDN point that I used to plug into in my early days of broadcasting, doing non-league football there. The uh, wooden door into the press box where we always used to shout, shut the door! I don't know what I want from, El- what would I want from Bellevue. I don't know. I don't know, because I, I don't want to turn the style or anything. I don't, don't, what do you do with that? You can't put it in your garden. It looks stupid. Let's have a lump of it. You like the Berlin Wall. A seat. Do you want a seat from the main stand? Um, could get a row. Put in your shed. Yeah, could, yeah, yeah. Could get a seat. I'll see if Mr. Carter will cut me a deal. I don't know. I think I probably still owe him for working there, but um, it's all exciting. And you know, maybe maybe Wakefield's new stand will be like like Spurs, and maybe Castleford's will be as well. And we, we can all look to the future. And it'd be nice just to have stadium. So it's, it's all good. It's all it's all good. Um, is there any other news this week? Uh, we mentioned- oh, probably. But yeah. but I think the, the important thing has been just to focus on uh, on the cup. There, there's lots of transfer speculation and there'll be yeah. more. There's some games coming up. Uh, we can talk about them when they've happened. 
Uh, there's a dual, dual weekend, as we've said, of the championship. That's going to, um, I think, again, uh, so, so, there's some teams at the bottom that need at least one win from these two games. There's some at the top that just need to keep enough players on the field to take a breath and move into the next part of the season. And I can't see Featherstone and Lee stumbling at the moment. And two games for them is, is going to extenuate the gap between they and everyone else, I think. If there's any reserve games scheduled this week and they'll all get cancelled because all the championship clubs are going to want to nick players on loan so uh, that'd be a waste but there is a there, there will be a debate to be had about the value of reserve grade when you are having results like 100 nil, and uh, I think we already know the answer to that question it's come back at least a year too early so we're all excited because uh, it was a big positive outcome it was. on Saturday if your team the- lost then Console yourself with the fact that you were part of a really, really positive weekend for the sport. Uh, next week, we will have a guest on from Australia, which is exciting Ooh. because uh, Ori- Origin's back. The, the pinnacle of the it sport. Is. The pinnacle of the sport. State of Go Origin. the Maroons. Go the Maroons. Maroons. We, we'll have to I'm gonna ask about that. Because I, I, what is that all about? You know, what is that all about? Um, so that's, that's coming up next week um, on the programme. Possibly when are you free Wednesday morning, Phil? Is that I don't even know, I don't even know what my name is, so uh, uh, I'll che- I will check my handwritten diary. And let you I mean, know. I haven't got a time sorted yet, but but I, he he said Wednesday, and I said oh, possibly. I'm working Wednesday afternoon, but you know we have to record it. So so look out next Wednesday. Sometime. I I may I, yeah I may be around, but I'll let you. Um, thank you for watching and listening. Um, it's a very, very low energy program today. I've gone to sleep last night, I don't know why. So I just gave up. I think it's because s- you've had your hair cut. Yeah, I think so. I gave up about six o'clock and thought, oh, I'm not going to go to sleep now, I'm just going to stay up. So as long as I sleep tonight, it'll work tomorrow. But uh, ha- happy Jubilee to all our listeners. Um, I'm sure you're all having street. Does parties. she listen? I, I don't she know listen? if she does. I don't know. Do happy you- Jubilee, mom. She'll listen to that one with Mike Tindall, won't she? Because, you know, it's family. Or she'll at least download it, even if she doesn't listen. I think she's a closet league fan. Um, yeah. She, well, she, she's in Wakefield when at Wembley. She's more than I've done. So, um, Did you see that picture I posted the other week of Derek Turner with Shirley Bassey? I think I mentioned it last yeah. week, didn't I? Yeah. yeah. What, a, what a bizarre picture. She was probably on at the Wakefield Theatre Club at the time. Very odd. Very odd. Uh, if you've got any, uh, I mean, did anyone from Wigan have a photo with, I don't know, Kim Marsh or something? I don't know. Let, let, let's know. And, and the other thing is, where's Jacques O'Neill? He's supposed to be on Love Island, but he wasn't in the uh, the cast announced yesterday. So Surely not. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, should, I could probably have a word with some people at cast, but I couldn't be bothered. So uh, thank you very much for watching. The, the magazine is, is being finalised, Phil, this weekend, and then it'll be out. Uh, and now the weekend after it'll be weekend out, after. but it'd be heavily um, w- reflecting a lot of what we've just spoken about um, and, and some nice features. Yeah. And, and, and some criticism of a question of sport. Uh, see how much of that gets through. Uh, and we will see you at some point next week. But enjoy the bank all day, and especially if you're working and getting time enough. Podcast Network.